We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? The most optimistic Suns podcast on the planet. I'm doing great. Mike, impossible. Uh, <laughs> impossible. It's, it's there, literally hey, impossible. There are a lot of us. There are a lot of us, but uh, yeah. we all try our best. Uh, how about Summer League? How about that? Uh, it's been <laughs> it's been Summer League. I think it's, it's nice, quite, right? Man. There was a moment in our Suns fandom where summer league was really, really important <laughs> because like four guys that were going to play on the team were playing in summer league. And like, that was our chance to see them get significant minutes in like a really high usage role. And now it's not that <laughs> like we are past that. We're down to the point where, uh, we're literally discussing trade options for the players or this player playing in summer league. That's on the sun's roster. Well, Summer League is happening. That's that's kind of where we're at with Summer League. And I'll say this. It's kind of nice. Like, I don't really want to be where OKC is right now or oh, or absolutely. Houston or something yeah. like that. Like, I, I understand the value in, in that. And, like, long term, it's an interesting situation for both of those teams. But kind of nice to not really care, right? Well, I mean, on yeah, on the one hand, it's like it's uh, the, I joke about it, like because it's like a crazy come down from where we were just a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah. but on the other hand, it's like, yeah, I'm relishing the ability to not give a shit in the way that like like James Jones was there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if he gives a shit <laughs> about yeah. like like just look at who they filled the roster with. I, yeah. I don't want to knock the I don't want to knock the grind of any of these guys because they're a lot of hardworking players. They're trying to, you know, compete for training camp invites and and roster spots, two way spots yeah. where they can get them. Um but just the fact, I mean, our roster is just Jalen Smith and Tyshawn Alexander. Mm-hmm. And then, and, like, and they, even Tyshawn's on a two way deal. Tyshawn's on a two way. First of all, they got to give the other two way to, like, they got to use, this is an aside, they got to use that this year, right? <laughs> yeah, they like, didn't use they, it. 
They should use it on... You're inviting a whole Summer League squad out there. You should use it on someone. So I hope they do that. That's just a quick aside. To your point earlier about, like, we used to care about Summer League, I distinctly remember, I'll never forget, being on vacation in a foreign country. Uh, it was in Iceland in the summer of... I guess it would have been, like, 2016. The only reason I was there is because I was young enough that my parents paid for the whole thing. Lovely experience. Great country. But... um. I like still stayed up late to make sure while my parents were asleep, (laughs) while my parents were asleep to make sure that I could catch the summer league games because I could not miss the debuts of Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender into, or I think Dragon Dragon definitely played. Did Marquise play in that summer league? I can't remember. Uh, I don't think he did. I think he might've, I think he might've missed it for some reason, but Dragon had a big game at one point and we talked, we talked it up, which, So yeah, we've come a long way, but but, 20, but to, I, yeah, I was there. To 2017, that point, 2018, 2019, I was there all three years. With the whole Jalen Smith thing, uh, that's by the way sounds like a great experience. I really want to make it out there. Maybe next mm-hmm. year. Um, I I'm getting major like FOMO from all the people we know who are out there. <laughs> the and it's like won't even have a draft pick next year. Just seems like a blast. <laughs> I don't even care. I'll I'll, I think I'll go weird. there. Yeah, just to soak up soak up the vibes. Um. We could talk about how Jalen Smith is playing. That's fine. Like, I'm cool with talking about it. But I, I, I guess I just want to stress, like, it feels like there are a lot of trade, for whatever reason, rumors swirling around Jalen right now. And I'm fine with those, too. I, I guess where I just want to create some nuance in the conversation is, like, you shouldn't be allowing these performances by Jalen Smith in Summer League to no. be the thing that sways your opinion. And and I don't I don't know if I've seen that, but I feel like maybe I've seen something like I'm sure. I feel like I feel like a week ago people were saying people were more or less behind Jalen Smith. Maybe that's just me seeing it's optimism season. You you know how it is. And I feel like after a couple of games in Summer League, which were you know he did things, but were not the best. Uh, I I feel like I've seen a lot more of that. The, the the trade rumor stuff and i'm t- for the record we should talk about it like i'm totally we behind the we're i'm totally behind the trade rumor stuff like i think if you know you have a certain window you got to improve your team like that's that's me to a t that's what i think but like shooting five for 15 or whatever he did in a summer league game should not be the reason why you connect from <laughs> point a to point b that's that's all i want to say it should be like yeah it, you, you got to come from a, a different philosophical angle than that I think so it's like it's just it's still summer league uh I mean they shot Jesus Mike they shot like 24 percent yeah from the field uh in yesterday's game as an entire team like let's not take this too seriously it's uh you made a great point on Twitter just being like the, that was a game to remind you that this is you know you talk about how the team plays but that was just a bunch of individual guys going out there and hunting their shots and yeah you know it's like it is what it is what do you what are you really going to take away from that yeah, there there were I calculated this. There were ninety five rebounds in that game because of the amount of missed shots that there were. <laughs> oh ninety five rebounds. <laughs> yeah, in a forty minute game, and yeah, it, it was it was incredibly incredibly ugly that last game, and and it could get could get better. And I'll be honest, the way I thought about Jalen Smith before summer league was that he is a player that appears to need a ton of minutes in order to grow, and I think that's the problem the Suns are running into no matter what. And I think that problem is partially related to the fact that they appear to want him to play power forward and he looks to be more comfortable playing center. Now, this is this is an issue, I think, with just what the Suns need and what he is. Um, because I think what they need is they need a center to back up DeAndre and that's going to be 
really good. <laughs> like they can't have a ton of drop off when DeAndre Ayton comes off the court. I mean, how often did we talk about it in the playoffs? Uh, how big of a deal it is to keep DeAndre Ayton on the court as much as possible. He's not quite ready to do that. Like he's not going to do what JaVale McGee does. So when, where can you find him minutes at this point, looking at the roster we have, he's got to play power forward. He's got to play next to a center in order to get minutes on this team. And maybe he can do that at some point. Like I, I don't really discount the idea that eventually he might be able to do that. Um, but it doesn't look comfortable for him right now, whether that be parking him in the corner offensively and not being involved in a lot of actions or, uh, guarding guys who are trying to attack him off the dribble. It just doesn't look super comfortable doing that either. And yeah. uh, when you have a guy that needs a lot of minutes, that's, that's troubling, I think, for the Suns because ultimately when you're trying to make the finals again and you're trying to maximize your regular season in order to uh, hold home court advantage once again because that is important to the Suns, especially now that the crowd is awake and alive, uh, that's tough. You don't have a lot of minutes to give a player like that. And I think that's how I felt before this. And I, there was a chance, I think, that if he played well enough, that if he looked really comfortable in that role... Um, then there was a chance that I could change my opinion on on how he could fit into the team this coming season, maybe playing a smaller role. Um, but yeah, that hasn't changed. I guess I feel how I did before uh, this offseason, and I feel the same. I feel the same way now. I guess. Yeah, I, I, and so do I. I mean, it's it's the same two issues with him that it's always been. I, I use issues, I use that word kind of in a narrow sense because I know we, we haven't even really seen a lot of him at the NBA level, but we've sort of always known about the power forward thing. Just like the lateral quickness is, is yeah, it's an issue. It's not, it's not where you want it to be. Some of the closeouts and, and kind of, what do you want to say? I was just thinking about our, our, our draft episode when he was drafted. I think I said, well, he's obviously a center. <coughs> yeah, and should. I just said that like it was a <laughs> an obvious conclusion and we don't have to worry about anything else. But now uh. it's like, yeah, it's not that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I mean, they should find some minutes for him at center. That'd be great. But it's like, you know, and, and on offense, he like, what are you going to do? Give him the ball in the post? Like, no, they're not going to do that. He has to launch threes in order for it to work. Uh, three for 11 so far through two summer league games. Again, I don't care so much about the summer league games, but it's yeah. just, you know, the stroke has to eventually uh, find a balancing point of consistency. Will he get there in time? Maybe he gets there by year three or four or five, but can he get there by year two? Based on what we're seeing, it's a tall order for Jalen Smith. I, I really think so. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I kind of believe. I do kind of believe in his shot. I, I, I haven't seen. And look, I, I've sort of learned the lesson in covering the NBA over the last few years that uh, a pretty shot does not necessarily translate into an efficient shot. That doesn't really matter. But it looks good. Like the form looks good. It comes off his hands well. It looks nice in the air. You know, it rotates properly. All those things look fine. Um, but hasn't gone in well in summer league. That doesn't necessarily matter to me. It's such a small sample size. And if you even expand that to all his minutes playing in the regular season, well, one, no consistent role, no consistent minutes, mostly playing. Yeah. Mostly playing garbage time had COVID. Like it's not exactly yeah. a season that you yeah. could really take into account um, everything that happened and, and use those stats to really evaluate him one way or another. Um, so, you know, the shot is one thing or another, but like even beyond that, in summer league so far, he's just looked a lot more comfortable close to the rim. He looks like a guy who uh, he's quick off his feet. He jumps really high. He has long arms. <laughs> it's nice to have a guy like that close to the rim if you can. And if you take him out of the dunker spot and that far away from the basket in the corner, um, you better have a really good 
point guard in order to involve that player and and with, <laughs> with summer league they don't good, so like we're not too. really seeing him uh get involved offensively in the role that he's in they, it's possible they put him on, on you know with the suns it could do a lot better but it's it's just interesting I am perhaps jumping the gun here because we're supposed to talk about this guy later, but uh, they should have just asked Alfred Payton to join the summer league <laughs> yeah. team as like you know as as a thing that he has to do upon signing his contract. Um, would have made the yeah. team a lot better in terms of the flow of the offense. If there's one thing Alfred can do, he you know he can whip the ball around. It's kind of the other stuff. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, so I, like we should talk about the other guy. Uh, yeah, who I think this team is actually invested in. Yeah, it's um, really interesting to watch Tyshawn play. For, first of all, I thought I think it's interesting to think about how they're playing these guys. First of all, uh, Jalen Smith starting at power forward is in the game at power forward. Uh, seems to only play with another big on the floor at all times, and that's a that's a development thing for some league, really, right? Say you just want to get him going, maybe you want to boost his trade value. You probably put him at center and and try that and try to get him a bunch of stats close to the rim. Uh, but they, they really want to see what he can do at power forward. That's what they're doing. With Tyshawn Alexander, he's coming off the bench. Why? Well, he probably would come off the bench for the Suns. I think they might move into just playing him in that starting lineup because at some point, just get him more minutes, see what he can do. That's kind of why you have this opportunity here. Yeah, what did he play in the in the past game? In, the, in both games, he's only played like 22, 23 minutes. I understand you got to give everyone time. Like You, you promised yeah. these guys spots here. You, you can't not play them, but... Um, at a certain point in games three or four, it would be nice if we just saw those guys for like 30 plus minutes each. Yeah. Let them uh, just really pick and like, rolls together. They're really just, you know, that's what we're there for. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I like what Tyshawn is doing. Um, it's a little unfortunate with him given the two way contract status. Cause it's like, it's, you know, if uh, you, there's always the danger, first of all, that other teams can come along and try and offer him entice him with a guaranteed deal. Um, so it's like the Suns have him for now, but they're kind of stringing him along a little bit. Like if he turns out to look really good, I think in summer league though, so far he's, he's looked pretty, pretty damn good in kind of that backup shooting guard role. You know, I, I think with him, it was always, uh, a little bit undersized at the two and not, you know, not quite a playmaker like you would want him to be like, he's not really that combo guard, but, um, I, I, I think the way he's moving around the Suns offensive sets has been most impressive because you know yeah. the, the the announcers I, f- I forget who it was um maybe Mark Jones in game 1 was even uh pointing out the fact that uh the Suns were using him in the same sets that they used Devin Booker like coming around screens coming around those pin downs and and those flares and and kind of firing off mid-range jump shots he he looked pretty yeah. comfortable from that position also hit a couple of pretty threes i think his percentage is also not great uh so far through the first two games um, but yeah, I think that I think the mechanics are there for Tyshawn to to succeed, and so I've been, you know, for a guy who is an undrafted rookie that you're giving a two way spot, I have been impressed with what we've seen out of him. And me too. I I think it's really interesting to watch him play because yeah, just sitting on the bench watching Chris Paul and Devin Booker for so long, clearly has rubbed off on him. He's able to uh, get to his spots really interestingly. Like every pick and roll that he ran, he was snaking. Like for a young yes. player to do that, I think is kind of interesting because well. Yeah, yeah. the Suns have two guys that are pros. That's like their thing. They snake pick and rolls, and, and clearly he picked up on that. Yeah, I just want to give him media points for, I forget which reporter he said this to, but but he said that to one of the reporters. Is he said, you know, I'm learning that sort of pick and roll ability from Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So, you know, he's saying the right things. Uh, it doesn't always correlate to actual on-court success, but, <laughs> you know, it's tough to be any young guy in, in, in these guys' situations. Talking yeah. generally about Tyshawn and Jalen now is like, you know, I, on the one hand, it's a privilege 
to come straight into the NBA and, and play on a good team because you're taught to play the right way by guys who have done it before, by these veterans. I mean, I'm sure it's they value the fact that they have guys like Chris Paul, Jay Crowder in their ear, um, and that the, they can feel like they're really a part of something, that the Suns are really building something here. On the other hand, you want to launch your career at a certain point. It's difficult if it becomes two or three years straight of kind of not really able to find that consistent role. So... Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to to watch these guys battle it out. If I can just give my quick like cons- conspiracy theory, I don't know if you would call it that, but <laughs> like I I think you know, I'm not like super high on Landry Shamit, right? I kind of think Tyshawn Alexander has that like like with Jalen Smith, I kind of don't see it for this year. Like I I think he can be something along the way. I think he's also might be a trade chip for the record. So we'll talk more about that. But uh, Tyshawn. I, there's still like a low chance of this. Like I think Monty's gonna veer towards the giving you know minutes to the veterans, the guys who have been there before. But I don't know. I I kind of believe in Tyshawn's shot, and when you take into account not only his shot but like the plus measurables, the the pressure defense that he's played all throughout college as well. Like he's kind of the complete package in theory of a backup too. In the way that I think Landry Shamit kind of isn't. I don't know. I, I could see, I could, all I'm saying is I could envision a universe where Tyshawn actually breaks into the Suns rotation. That but, is very optimistic. That is say, very optimistic. Let me say, I think you just proved that optimism season comes for us all. Uh, but, 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 okay, but here's the thing. Here's the, wait, wait, wait. Here's the thing, though. It's optimism season, but it's also pessimism season because am I really hyping up Tyshawn <laughs> or am I just shitting on Shamit? I'm not sure. It's one or the other, okay. maybe a combination of both. First of all, Landry Shamit would have had 40 in both of those games, maybe more, uh, had he played because he's just better than any of those players that were playing. <laughs> and I think we uh, tend to um, overestimate players' abilities based on the competition that they're up against and the fact that uh, Tyshawn has done well. I well, Here's what I'll say. I think that Tyshawn has shown some things in Summer League so far and even just sort of based on <laughs> other smart people's estimations of who he is. That if the Suns were to convert his two-way into a guaranteed contract for this year, I think that would be smart for multiple reasons. And I brought this up on Twitter, but I'll just explain why. I think a lot of people have brought up the Suns offseason and they've said the Suns are still have a chance to improve during the regular season. And I think they're right that they will have chances to improve during the regular season. But the truth is, to improve during the regular season, you have to give up assets you have to give up other players in order to get better players back now it's rare that a situation just falls into your lap like Tory Craig now <laughs> that can happen it's just really rare it didn't really happen for any other team last year that you just all of a sudden get a player that's going to contribute in the playoffs for nothing um, that's probably something that's going to be difficult to, to happen if you have somebody young and under contract like Tyshawn Alexander if he shows something in the NBA, if players get injured and he gets minutes or he finds a way into the rotation and he shows enough to be a good player, you can trade him. Right now with the two-way deal, because his uh, deal does not count against the cap, the Suns can't really trade him in any moves. Like They would need salary against the cap in order to get a player back. So to convert his deal into a more of a guaranteed deal this year, I think would, would be nice for the Suns because then he becomes a, maybe a potential player in the rotation and if he shows something as a young player, if the Suns are making moves in the off se- or I'm sorry, in the regular season close to the trade deadline, say a team suffered some injuries or uh, a team did not perform as well as they were, and now they want to go young, well, you had to have young players to offer those teams in order to get veterans back, potential veterans that could 
compete in the playoffs. So somebody like Tyshawn, maybe he does end up making the roster in one way or another throughout the regular season, and then he could be traded at some point in the season. So I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really. I like Landry Shamit, and I think we're going to talk more about him later. Um, I think you're still kind of underrating what he can do <laughs> offensively. He's fine. Um, <laughs> but He's fine. Like I, I don't know what to say. He's fine. Yeah. I don't. I don't uh, hate the but, guy. It's just you know like. Yeah. <laughs> Tyshawn can play. Watch out. I don't see. Happen. Here's what I'll say about Tyshawn if we're on it him could, for a second it here. It could happen. I don't know that his defense is going to translate to the NBA the way I think a lot of people uh, assumed. Yeah. Um, I just didn't I, I didn't see anything in summer league. We haven't got a lot of looks at these guys, so it's unfair to judge it so far. Um, but he does look very undersized <laughs> in some, even in summer league. And uh, I'm not sure that effort is going to overtake that. Offensively, I think he does some interesting things, though. I'm just, I'm just not convinced that defensively, he's gonna get there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jalen Smith might be traded, though. I think we have to transition there. Because today, that's all everyone's talking about. <laughs> you you sent people into a frenzy. I think you kicked it off. No, no, no. The real guy who kicked it off is the guy who's kind of owned this offseason so far, and that's Jake Fisher. Uh, Jake L. Fisher, I believe he goes by, because he has been kind of on top of what a lot of teams are doing in this offseason. Where did this guy said, come from? Uh, well, I think he worked for Bleacher Report initially. I think he wrote a book uh, relatively recently about, I don't remember, the Warriors. Anyone can write a book. No one knows where this guy came from. This is, has <laughs> anyone like looked <laughs> looked in? Because I, I, I've asked record, people about him and they vouch for him. I'll say that. Uh, sounds like an industry plant to me, but I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. He did get a lot of, uh, he got a lot of free agent things right. So, you know, I guess I can't knock it. Yeah, and he said that the Suns were offering uh Jalen Smith around the league so maybe I did maybe I did kick it off because I mean the day after free agency started I, I got on spaces and I mentioned Thad Young 
and uh, we talked. We about should that start. Either. We need more segment ideas, dude. We need to break up the monotony a little bit. How about just Mike's <laughs> trade of the week, where you just <laughs> you piss off as many people yeah. as you can by trading no, no, no. one of the one of the darlings. I've That's... made trades. For, I've made trades for a lot of players on the Suns, but only one player pisses people off when you trade him, though. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> there is, if people want to dig back into the into the bowels of this podcast, you could even find us just saying who we would trade Devin Booker for at one point, just as a discussion. Uh, but it's funny that nobody really got angry at that at that time. It's just uh, people are, feel sensitive about different things. Um, let me see. I want to. Uh, yeah. He okay. He wrote the book about tanking. Uh, Built to lose was the name of the book. How the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever. Uh, you know, because it's his pinned tweet. But he said that the Suns were offering Jalen Smith around the league. Now, this has okay. sort of sent Suns fans into a frenzy. And uh, immediately they say Thad Young or Larry Nance Jr. And I don't see that in any way personally. I like both of those players we, a lot. We need to talk about those names, though, because yeah. I mean, those are those are sexy names. Yes. Sexy, so those, are, those are sexy August names. They're not sexy <laughs> July names like when everything usually happens. But like when you're in a content desert in August, like Thad Young <laughs> just looks like the like you're starving. You haven't had any I content. I love Thad Young. Underrated. Do NBA GMs know that free agency is still going on right now? Like no one has offered my guy Jared <laughs> Vanderbilt a contract. I'm, I'm completely malnourished. And here's Thad Young. I'm in the desert. And Thad Young is just here. He looks like like he might be a mirage, but he might be the juiciest burger I've ever seen. Like Thad Young to <laughs> me on August 10th looks amazing. Frankly, it, like the idea that I don't think it's going to happen. A great player though, just great player. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, I think the 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 trade that people have sort of thrown out there as far as what the Th- Suns could offer for Thad Young. Thad Young is an interesting one. Uh, for a few reasons, for those who are not following the offseason, Thad Young was part of a signing trade for DeMar DeRozan. So now he's technically going to be on the Spurs. The signing trade is not completed yet. Uh, so maybe the Suns can sort of sneak in there to get him. Thad Young makes a significant amount of money, though. Enough so that the Suns could not just send Jalen Smith straight up for him. They'd have to include uh, Dario Saric and Dario Saric's contract. Or, I mean, I guess you could go beyond that and say somebody like Jay Crowder, which obviously they wouldn't do. But at this point, you're saying Dario Saric, Jalen Smith for Thad Young, and you're sort of trying to talk yourself into the Thunder doing that. I think the tough part, I'm sorry, the Thunder, the Spurs doing that. The tough part, I think, talking yourself into this is trying to convince yourself that a team would want a player in Dario Saric who's not going to play a minute this coming season and who is making $8.5 million. And to me, this is the biggest roadblock. This is the biggest stumbling block that the Suns run into. But beyond that, it's the value of Jalen Smith. Like if Jalen Smith had been good this last season or had shown something <laughs> in summer league, maybe you could say he's good enough yeah. to carry a, a sort of deadweight contract in Dario Sarge in this upcoming season. Sarge could obviously perform well the following season, but this upcoming season he's not going to play a single game. So what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, it's tough because to your point, I mean, there's only so many guys. So you need a guy if you're packaging Dario and Jalen together in a trade. You need someone in that roughly. You can take back up to 125% of the salaries in return. Uh, maybe it's 120%. I need to check the CBA again. Uh, my my, I'm rusty on my trade machine rules, which I shouldn't be. Um, roughly 13 to $17 million, though. About 17 and a half, uh, give or take a couple hundred thousand dollars, is the highest you could go. There's only so many players in the NBA who actually make that. That's like quite a mid-tier salary. There's maybe only a couple dozen guys in the entire league who are within that tier. 
Thad Young is one of them. But even if you clear that initial roadblock of just finding a guy who has the right money to match, he also needs to be on a team that's interested in taking, to your point, Mike, like taking back Jalen Smith in the first place would be very much a rebuilding trade for San Antonio. It's like a tanking kind of trade. Like we take an asset and a player who's not going to play and we're going to get worse this year and tank for picks. So you need to find a team that's rebuilding with a mid-sized contract. Uh, I have scanned through the list of other guys. Like Thad Young makes that level of money. I've scanned through the list uh, just with a cursory glance of all the other guys who make that level of money. I haven't seen any obvious names myself. Um, we can look through that in a minute if you're interested. With Thad, I will reiterate that is awesome. I like. I just want to contextualize. He averaged, uh, keep in mind, only 24 minutes a game this year for Chicago. He was kind of on and off as a starter, started uh, 23 games for them. But in 24 minutes... Put up 12.1 points, 6.2 rebounds, 4.3 assists. That's that's huge for a power forward. 4.3 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.6 blocks, and only two turnovers. Great assist to turnover ratio. Guy who really moves the ball well for his position, like probably 90th percentile or above for his position. Uh, you know, it doesn't exactly have a three-point shot. It's kind of come and gone throughout his career, uh, but has that mid-range touch for sure, and like can score in a variety of ways. He'd be your backup power forward, but he'd also instantly be like maybe your fifth or sixth best player. There's there's definitely a case for that. So, yeah, I mean, like it, last week, weren't we talking about like let's talk about moves that actually upgrade the top seven of this team's rotation? If the yeah. idea is you get more top tier talent, I'm not here arguing that that Thad Young is you know the Suns <clears throat> equivalent to a Westbrook trade. Uh, but if in August it's maybe the best you can do with the limited talent pool that you have, the limited you know assets. Yeah, uh, it would be a great trade. Uh, but yeah, I I don't I frankly I don't think it's enough for San Antonio to bite. I think they would want more than just Jalen Smith. Maybe that's extra picks. Maybe they just say fuck Jalen Smith. Give us like Cam Johnson. <laughs> you know, yeah. at which at which point that's too much. You you no, can't you say to no. Yeah, yeah, you say no, and I, I think that's I I think where uh, at some point maybe we can have a conversation about maybe the Suns pulled the trigger on uh, trading somebody like. Javon Carter a little too early or or something maybe even the 29th pick which had value um, now this is all dependent I think on how you feel about Landry Shamit which I think you and I are sort of uh, differing on that but I, I I think it would be nice to have a little a little more to work with <laughs> when you're talking about this potential move uh, and you know pulling the trigger early on a trade like they did before the draft limits your flexibility because things like this signing trade with DeMar DeRozan had not yet happened yet, you know, where Thad Young could potentially shake loose. And maybe, you know, like the best case scenario ultimately is Thad Young is somehow bought out of his contract, does not want to play with San Antonio. The Suns could use the rest of their MLE to sign him, which My gives God. them a little bit of a leg up on other teams. You know, that, that would the, be... Or the, or the biannual exception that can get him for two years well, in that case. From a guy who is, has... I feel like lightly criticized. I I haven't gone after JJ as as hard as I could have. Let me just be clear. Yeah. Well, it's not over but yet. I, exactly, and that's why I haven't done it. But for a guy who has been somewhat critical of the fact that here the Suns are with an open roster spot, a lot of money that they haven't spent that they could have, and it's like, what are you what are you doing with the waiting game at this point? What are you really going to get? I mean, if that if that young got bought out and you got him, like if that's what you got with the remainder of your money, that's like the best case scenario. That's like yeah. an A. That's an A plus acquisition at that point. So mm-hmm. I would be elated uh, if something like that happens. I, but, and it uh, would be it know. would be an amazing. Uh, it would be unlikely. But <laughs> can, can if, just if you know if they just turn around and give like you know their remaining four million to Paul Millsap, who's still on the market, by the way, like that's you know 
decent player. It's fine. You yeah, that Thad, Thad Young's like a better version of that's Paul like, Millsap. That's like fine. Thad Young is like better than Paul Millsap at yeah. everything at this point, which is you know it's kind of funny to say because Millsap's had the better career. He had the he better was an all star. He was an all star, but at this point, Thad's um, longevity is really impressive, man. I mean, he he just turned thirty three years old. For him to still be playing at this level, like yeah. if you look back at his stats, his second season with Philly. In 2008-2009, as a 20-year-old, he started 71 games. He averaged 15 points, 5 rebounds per game. And every season since then, he's been in double digits for like 12 or 13 years straight. Just right. really quietly. Has has quietly yeah. been one of the best role players in the NBA for a long time. It's a pretty impressive mm-hmm. uh, resume. And, and when we talk about Dario Saric as sort of the net rating king that he was for the Suns this last year, that's what... Thad was for Chicago. Like, every lineup with Thad Young was better than every lineup without Thad Young this last year. He just, he tends to make teams better. And I think the passing is really one of the main reasons for him. Because guys with the ball, if if they're unable to hit shots on a regular basis, passing sort of opens up a lot of lanes for other players to cut. The Suns have a pretty good cutting team. Uh, Per 30, like on a per minute basis, he, he technically averaged, he would, on the Suns, he would average the third most assists. On the Suns on a per minute basis, I mean like that's how good of a playmaker he is. His per thirty six numbers. Oh, you're gonna make me look this up real quick. It's his six per 30, assists. His per thirty six numbers. He averaged eighteen nine and six. Yeah. Now, yeah. now let me just guess the per thirty six numbers of another guy who I've heard an all star who I've heard Suns fans bring up. Sabonis is twenty twelve and six and a half. Like yeah. not that far off. No. Honestly, not that far off. Yeah, uh, let me is, just say this, this is a though, really good player. If the Suns were to trade Dario Saric, Jalen Smith, and and more, maybe, right? Maybe second-round picks or something for Thad Young. We cannot overstate how much that is punting on the highest draft pick that you're going to have for years uh-huh. for a 33-year-old player mm-hmm. on an expiring deal. And I, and I think this is what the Suns are likely going to struggle with here. Because for Thad Young, say he does come on the Suns, he plays all right this year. You're paying him $14 million for this year. And then he could leave. Like, he could just be gone. And then the Suns will be one year off of Jalen Smith and Dario Saric with nothing to show for it as an over-the-cap team, which now puts them in a difficult position to find other players. So it is, for as good as Thad Young would be on the Suns and as nice of an acquisition as it would be, and as fun as it would be to come up with interesting lineups with him playing, it cannot be understated that it is it is still a risk. Like this is not this is not just an absolute home yeah. run. It's a complicated thing for the Suns to really weigh out here. It's, and it's Dario Sarge's contract is still there. Like they, they yeah, have to yeah, convince yeah. a team to take on eight point five million dollars of nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but if you could do convince anyone to do it, I mean, I don't know what the fuck. Frankly, I don't know what the hell the Spurs. Are I can't believe doing Popovich right is even coaching like, that like, team. Like fourteen million to Doug McDermott, eight million to Zach Collins, who both those, technically play the same position those, as Jalen Smith. <laughs> those seem like well, Zach Collins does. Uh, McDermott McDermott doesn't. But those seem like contracts that you only give out if you're like, yeah, we need to we need to like hit the salary floor, but we don't want to be yeah. good this year. Like yeah. you know that that that's kind of what that smells like. I mean, they've done it before. That's how they got Duncan in the first place. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but, um, and maybe they're tanking. And you know, if they'd have the minutes to develop a guy like Jalen Smith, and so the mystery <laughs> of the Spurs is the only reason that we can entertain this one as long as we did. Because like when we're talking about Larry Nance Jr., 
I don't see that at all. I just don't see any scenario where they would take the yeah. money from the Suns for Dario Saric. They're trying to right. win this year. They're, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They the, want the Cavs, good players. See, that's a difference. The Spurs are like very much at the, hey, we might need to reset right now. We might need to give up the ghost and reset. The Cavs are a couple years further along their journey where they're like, hey, we, we can't afford to, we don't want to lose Sexton uh, and, and like other pieces here. We need to kind of get this moving. So I think they're at a point where they're not even interested in entertaining that. They're trying to move upwards. Um, yeah. With regard to the other thing that you were saying, I mean, it's always a risk, right? This this trade yeah. would be a risk. Yeah. I still think it's like, an, if you could do it though, it's like an A plus acquisition given that context. This season, like, yeah. Yeah, sure. But I mean- this is the unfortunate thing about the position that James Jones has put us in. We talk about how James Jones says, fuck you to asset management. And, and like, that's great. You know, I like, you know, cussing out the draft Twitter nerds as much as the next guy, but <laughs> at a certain point you reap what you sow. And yeah. if you go two years in a row missing on draft picks and then like not even trying to do your due diligence about like, you know, some teams acquire second round picks at the end of the draft. They they sign on undrafted guys. Obviously, the Suns did that with Tyshawn. They could have done it again this year. They, they chose not to for whatever reason. I, I mean, if you don't create that sort of treasure chest and give yourself the chance to discover the next diamond in the rough, you end up in the situation where you have limited assets and you have to make difficult decisions. And, yeah, you know, if Jalen's the best we've got at this at, at this point, I'll admit that's a difficult decision. But also, what are you punting for? Like, like, Chris Paul is thirty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, try to like, win the championship this year. Try, Just try do to win it. the. Cha- I mean, you've you've built the team up to this point where it's like your only choice is to try to win the championship this year. I yes. feel like personally, my opinion. And you so, should. if you have a chance to do something like this, uh, again, it's it's a bit nuanced because it's like what we were saying last week. If it's to go out and get an eighth or ninth or tenth player, I'm not interested. But if it's to go out and get a guy who can legitimately be a top four, five, maybe even six player in your rotation, and for the record, I totally believe Thad Young could do that. That's how good he was last year. Uh, then I think you do it. And yeah, I, I look. I still well, don't think this is going to happen. But I, you know, I think they should think about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a few guys at you in just a second. Um, just just on that. Uh, but yeah, I I think you're right. I, and I think for those like I don't want to depress people by talking about who the Suns could have picked optimism but, season come on but look Halliburton was there and the Suns could have picked Halliburton now if you also one of those, totally if, he also totally would have played like and if you're one of those people who say that somehow there is no role for him on this team well guess what he would have a lot of value on the trade market yeah also it's, it's we not played, just about what who's playing like you you package a guy like Halliburton together with say somebody like Mikel Bridges and you're looking for another star for the Suns you could probably get that at that also point. Halliburton wouldn't have played the 1,500 minutes or whatever he got in Sacramento. But lest we forget, Etuan Moore played a not insignificant number of minutes at point guard for the Suns last year, even sometimes in the playoffs. Like Halliburton would have found a role. He he would have, because he would have been forced into that. They would have played Halliburton over Etuan Moore in those minutes, and he would have, he would have looked good enough to flash something, and other teams would have been interested. And then maybe you take that to the trade market and you have something, or you decide to develop him instead. Who knows? Yeah, you can't hit on all of them. And James Jones did not necessarily hit on that Jalen Smith pick. We'll see what he does if he's got the balls to, to punt on that pick and move on to other guys. I, I do want to outline something that I think the Suns are running into, one of the issues that they could be potentially running into here. And uh, that's the Dario Saric money. And what I wanted to do is I took Dario out of it and I took that Jake Fisher report 
at face value, which is that the Suns were shopping Jalen Smith around. He didn't even report the Dario Sarge thing that came from other places. And I think the logical conclusion is that the Suns are trying to tie Dario Sarge to him because in Suns fans' eyes, he's an asset. Um, So what I did is I tried to look for guys that they could potentially just trade Jalen Smith for, and I'm going to throw these guys at you. They're not all that exciting, and they're Mike's not realistic. trade of the week. <laughs> yeah, Here we they're, go. They're not realistic <laughs> in any way. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, I wanted to outline the difficulty of this. That That's really the, what this exercise is for. Um, and I, the way I look at the hole in the Suns roster right now, because of the lack of Torrey Craig and sort of the, the, the hole that they're facing, the hole that they're staring down right now, is a backup for Mikael Bridges in my mind. And that's, I think, the biggest issue that they're running into at this time. Uh, so I was trying to find a backup small forward that could potentially play, mostly small forward, but that could potentially well, hold on. play power forward. In, yeah. Hold on. That's interesting, though, because what that means, what you're saying there is you want Cam Johnson to be playing a lot of power forward, which yes. he, can totally, he can do, but uh, that's that's a thing that you're saying, which is yes. interesting. Yes, yes. I think the combination of Cameron Johnson and Jay Crowder works in my mind. I mean, if you could if you could find more of a power forward that could fit, but like when I was looking at the guys in this trade market, these were the guys that made sense for me, I guess, for the Suns, and you'll see why. Okay. Uh, I'll throw you the, the one more serious one and then the kind of funny one after that. Um, one guy that fits salary-wise that could be traded to a team that's maybe not necessarily going to be that great this coming season, uh, it was the Indiana Pacers, and it was Justin Holiday for Jalen Smith. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you, ju- I mean, you know, come on. You I know, know I love that. Justin Justin Holiday is on a two-year deal. He His salary is, is like in an amount that you could easily swap for Jalen Smith. Now, whether or not the Pacers would do this, um, it's hard to t- say. Like, I don't really know what their front office is feeling at this time. I just think when you look at a guy who's ready to win right now and maybe is not a perfect fit on their roster, um, that's something they could do. Now, they have a lot of forwards. Maybe they could play Jalen Smith at center. They have a few centers too, as we all know. That's one of their problems. Um, But if it's something that they actually kind of change to uh, maybe going a little more of a youth movement, as people say, being bad, uh, playing guys that are young to see what their potential is, that could work. So I, it seems like you like Justin Holiday, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, he does role player things that are important. He hits threes and plays good perimeter defense. Um, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's like, you know, Mikhail Bridges is exactly. He's the, he's Mikhail Bridges. Absolute floor is kind of what <laughs> Justin Holiday is. Yeah. Coming into, to back up Mikhail Bridges, I think would make a lot of sense there. Um, this other one was just kind of a funny option because I just thought, it works salary wise, and that's Jarrett Culver for Jalen Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and this is for two Fuck reasons: you. one, it, it works salary wise; two, he plays small forward, so could, there's more minutes at small forward for the Suns in their current state. You're and, you're fucked. And Minnesota, and Minnesota doesn't want him anymore. And like, uh, and this is one of those moves where it's like, I don't know, maybe the Suns could fix him. Like, maybe a better situation could fix him. They they seem to be done with him, right? There's reports that there were. Uh, looking for anything for him at some point, and it's just it's just one that I wanted to put out there to see your reaction. But we've reached a, a Suns exceptionalism phase, like similar to what with the Warriors fans of <laughs> we can fix him. taking on. Yeah, exactly. We can fix him. Oh, I can fix him. Yeah. It's, he's different. I can fix him. Yeah, <laughs> trying to take on reclamation projects. Um, would you do I that? Would not, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in Jared Culver anymore. Although I will say. Once upon a time, I absolutely did. Do you still on, uh, think that Jarrett Culver night. does not have a higher ceiling than Jalen Smith? 
do I still uh, do you think that I guess is a better way to put it do I think that Jared Culver has a higher ceiling than Jalen Smith yeah still yeah no (laughs) because Jalen is I mean Jalen's interesting if he pans out right there's just this massive Minnesota like caveats on all of this I think well why do you think why do you think I like Vanderbilt so much because for me like half of the calculus there was like if you can find a young player who's just thrown into the fire of complete garbage and they still look okay, then that you probably really have something there. But to your point, like Culver, you know, you can take a guy who's bad in those situations and it's just a true, true reclamation project, did not show any redeeming signs whatsoever, and you can afford to take a gamble. Uh, it's not the type of gamble that I would take Yeah, uh, with, with Jalen if he's our last, like, uh, asset, you know? Wouldn't do it, <laughs> but it, it's a funny idea, and I'm glad you brought it up for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's what I'll say: um, you're probably right, and I think there's a chance that Jalen Smith ends up a better player than Jarrett Culver. I have no idea. I really, I truly have no idea for either of these guys because I think with Jarrett Culver, it's hard to judge because of the situation he's in, and actually the same thing with Jalen Smith, but for different reasons. Um, you know, Jarrett Culver getting a ton of minutes on a bad team with maybe not the best development staff is sort of unfortunate for him, no stability. Um, his inability to overcome that is not something that I would necessarily hold against young players. Very few of them are like Devin Booker in that they're capable of overcoming that. Um, with Jalen Smith, it's like we haven't seen enough to know exactly how good he's going to be, so it's hard. It's just a fun one to throw out there, just kind of funny, because the Suns traded Jared Culver, essentially. He wore a Suns hat on draft night. I mean, <laughs> we wouldn't have to Photoshop that. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just for fun. Uh, Justin Holiday one, feel free to uh, let us know what you think about that. And if you want to laugh about the Jarrett Culver one, you can let us know what you think about that as well. Two other things happened since the last time we talked. And I think both of them are interesting for different reasons. One of them is, and I think this is relevant to the Jalen Smith conversation. Frank Kaminsky signed with the Suns once again. I think once and for all, letting everybody know that they do not see Jalen Smith as a center because they're not letting Jalen Smith be the third string center. They clearly wanted another guy to play that third string center role. And that was Frank Kaminsky. Who's back on a one year vet minimum, something that we talked about. And I said that I still think it's going to be Frank (laughs) on the last episode. It ended up being him. I'm I'm not going to say I'm like disappointed at this. I think Frank Kaminsky on a vet minimum deal is fine. What do you think? Yeah. On a vet min deal. He's totally fine. He's back again. Not once, not twice, not three times. (laughs) Uh, Maybe four, five, or six if they keep re-signing them to these, <laughs> to these veteran minimum deals eventually. Yeah. Um, look, Frank in a third string role, totally fine. You don't want him to play in the finals, but hopefully he doesn't have to. <laughs> and that's ba- that's basically the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I think it says more about what they want to do with Jalen Smith than anything else. And I think that's why it's kind of interesting. Um, because they clearly see him as a forward or just out of the rotation entirely. It's one of those two things um, at this point. Uh, with Frank, it's kind of nice to have somebody that can do some things that the other two guys can't. Um, it's He's definitely a break, in cl- break glass in case of emergency player here. And uh, that's that's just what he's going to be in the NBA, I think, for a while here. Maybe he'll improve. I don't know. Who knows? Um, last one, Alfred Payton, vet minimum deal. <laughs> I don't know how to talk this about one, this. What do you think? Well, this this one I've calmed down on, but I will say when the news broke was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back that made me log off Twitter for a couple days. <laughs> uh, it wasn't it wasn't just that, but it was fun. like 
do you think this is related to the fact that you're around some Knicks fans where you are and they hated him? They do hate him. They, I, I, when I went to work the the next day, I got a lot of laughs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like, hi, you got Alfred Payton. It's like, hi, your franchise is paying Julius Randle $40 million. (laughs) Um, I, so yeah, I mean, I look, I, I think it's miraculous how people it's optimism optimism season look right so you know people will talk themselves into anything Alfred Payton included I will not I refuse to do that I will not talk myself into Alfred Payton as being a good basketball player because he is not uh however a couple days removed from the news we can kind of like look back at it from a different vantage point and and with a clearer mind I do understand he was a starter on a Knicks team uh where he shouldn't have been a starter it is a much different role for him as a as a third string point guard. He can move the ball well. Let me p- pull up his stats real quick, just for the. I mean, he played poorly last year, <laughs> Mike. I but, can't uh, lie. Let me just say, just to Knicks fans, quickly, for Knicks fans who are making jokes about the fact that the Sun signed Alfred Payton, the fact that Alfred Payton started for the Knicks last year and is now the third string point guard for the Suns this year. Well, says a lot more about the Knicks than it does about the Suns. It says a lot about Thibodeau specifically because yeah. they did they didn't want him to to be starting. They they would probably rather Frank or, or Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, anyone. they wanted more quickly minutes. Or like quickly. They, they literally they mainly or, or wanted Rose, quickly. of course, Derek Rose as yeah, well. Yeah. So, uh, look, here's the thing: forty eight percent true shooting. That's bad. <laughs> he can't finish. <laughs> like, there's nothing he can do around pick and rolls. I mean, here's that's the tough here's part. why I think. Here's why I think the Suns got him though, because I, I want to give a shout out to our friend Cranjus, uh, 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 Tim Cranjus uh, McBasketball covers the Lakers, but also started the uh, the B-Ball Index um, for a tool of his, a tool of theirs, I should say, that I was playing around with the other day, which looks at uh, a few different factors uh, in team building. And basically ranks players and ranks teams, and it, it's a lineup optimization tool, is what it is, um, and and assigns a percentile rank to each thing at like different players' ability to to do stuff. So, for example, based on your shooting, and and this is like different types of shooting. It's catch and shoot, it's pull up, it's all sorts of stuff. It gives you a spacing rank, right? And so you see how each guy fits into the spacing of a lineup. It gives a percentile grade to each of them. Well, one thing that it does. One of the other uh, uh, concepts that it covers is getting to the rim. And I was looking at where the Suns' holes were as a starting lineup. I just plugged their starting lineup into the tool. And, you know, I'm not taking these numbers as gospel. I just think it's kind of interesting from a from a bird's eye view. Uh, it basically said, yeah, the Suns' starting lineup had like 90th percentile spacing, really good spacing, really good playmaking. When they get to the rim, they finish it really well because you've got guys like Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, their efficiencies were off the charts. The obvious weakness was they. I think they were in the eighth percentile. Their starting lineup of getting to the rim. It's like, and and we know this about the Suns. It's like it passes the eye test, right? I'm not telling you anything new, but it was like these guys don't get to the rim. Chris Paul doesn't get to the rim. Mikael Bridges doesn't get to the rim. He's great when he like just you know catches the ball there off a cut and like puts it up and scores. But it's like it's it's more about when you have the ball from the outset. You're on the perimeter. You're driving the ball. Don't stop short and shoot the mid-range. Actually go all the way and get to the rim. That's how you get to the free throw line. That's how you you get opponents into foul trouble and um, really punish them in the way that you need to in the playoffs. It's you know We've talked about this with the Suns before. But so I was looking through, after that, I was looking through all of the Suns lineups. I was like, okay, well, what if you put Campaign in? Campaign's pretty good at driving. What if you swap uh, Mikhail Bridges for Cam Johnson? He's a little bit better. Uh, no matter what I did, 
I was not able to get the Suns a lineup in this tool that was considered above average at getting to the rim in the first place. Mm-hmm. They had good spacing, good playmaking, good once they got there. But can they get there in the first place? Could not find a, a combination that worked. Until you throw Alfred Payton into the mix. And this is really true. Alfred Payton, according to the B-Ball Index data... Now, here's the thing. A 48% true shooting is very bad. What that implies is that once he's getting there, he's not doing anything with it. But what I will tell you, this is not falsified data. This is not fake news. 99th percentile at getting to the rim was Alfred Payton. Yeah. Uh, Because I guess evidently, when you don't have a shot, you need to find a way to survive in the (laughs) NBA. And your way to do that is to, to use your speed and athleticism in a way that gets you to the rim as often as possible. So the Suns wanted a guy who could get there, they got a guy who could get there, technically. That doesn't mean he should play a lot of minutes. That doesn't mean that once he gets there, he's going to be making those layups, even. But they got a guy who gets there. Read into, you know, read as much as you want into that. Yeah. As as you think is, is important. I don't, like, I don't think it's going to be a difference maker. But I have been able to talk myself not into Alfred Payton being a good player, but into being a, a third string point guard who occasionally, like if you're going to rest Chris Paul and play Peyton for 20 minutes while while campaign takes the reins uh, in a regular season game, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. yeah. It's 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 funny because I think you almost accidentally outlined why he's so frustrating. Uh, in that, when you have a on ball playmaker who's sort of a pick and roll type playmaker, if they can't pull up if they can't hit the three, if they can't pull up from mid-range and they can't finish at the rim, it's just, it becomes a little bit easier to defend them, right? Because there's a huge glaring hole in the pick and roll. The whole point of the pick and roll is that they're a threat to pass or to score at any level of the floor. And that's why guys like Chris Paul are able to play and get over $100 million potentially into their 40s. And uh, guys like Alfred Payton are coming off of starting in the playoffs to sign a vet minimum deal for a single year being a threat at all three levels is, is what makes you effective. But like, you're right. I'm ultimately it's a third string role, nothing exciting about it, but also I think it's fine as well because when I looked at the Knicks last year, I looked at a team that was very, 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 very focused on defense and not very focused on offense. And with the Suns, you have a lot of guys that can kind of show somebody like Alfred Payton, how to do the right things offensively in Devin Booker, Cameron Payne, Chris Paul. I think he could be a lot better for the Suns, even in his role, than he was for the Knicks last year. So it's hard to judge it from that perspective. Um, But I do think that people sort of doubting the importance of a third-string point guard, I think it's important because I think, for one, the number one most important thing the Suns should be focusing on next year during the regular season is ensuring that the most important players are healthy for the playoffs. And that means having proper Three by five, as James Jones put it, proper backups who can fill in when those guys are not playing in the regular season, whether that be forcing Chris Paul to rest if you can, or having the right kind of guys to play if they're injured. Uh, So I do think that that role is still an important role. I mean, we've seen this team without point guards. It's ugly. It's very, very ugly. Uh, Right. So I still think it's important. Which is why the only question you really have to ask yourself is, is Alfred Payton better than Etuan Moore playing out of position? And the answer to that, I think, is emphatically yes. Uh, I, just, but, I, I, I think it can be. I'll say that. Well, I'm not sure. We can, we can still look at it and say that this is not James Jones hitting it out of the park. This is nothing to be excited about. Right. I mean, like, come on. Here's, here's <laughs> what I'll say about each one more. Is each one more didn't do a lot when he was put in that position. 
but he also didn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and I think there's value in conservatively. that. Yeah, there's value in just a guy who comes in and doesn't screw up a whole bunch. Eats, uh, eats minutes without doing anything. Uh, Thon Maker style. Yeah. <laughs> 30, 30 yeah. minutes, zero, 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 zero. Those were some of those games uh, with each one more. Yeah. yeah but guess, by the way, the Suns went 1-18 last time Alfred Payton was a Sun. Ooh. Uh, in his 19 games. Yeah. Uh, and Devin Booker was his only teammate that yeah. remains on right. the current team. Isn't that right. crazy? That was only a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, it was do you ugly. Think, do you think Devin Booker left with a good impression? Like, do you think he vouched for the signing at all, or was it purely a, a coaching staff move? I, every every smart team talks to players, their star players, about moves. So I, I can't imagine they would have signed him if he protested too much. So I, I imagine it was okay. That makes me wonder what other uh, uh, deep, dark point guards you could reach into from that era that Devin Booker has like a surprisingly positive opinion on. Oh, maybe that's like, why the Suns didn't sign Gorgie Dang. <laughs> Gorgie Chang. Yeah, I mean, it might be. Like, what is Devin, Devin Booker, Booker doesn't like him. What does Devin Booker think about uh, like Josh Gray? <laughs> I think that's I think that's a name that we had at some point. I can't even remember. What is it? L- let me find some others. Yeah, I don't know. I, hopefully, he's forgotten about that uh, <laughs> at this point. Uh, Mike James, Mike James. Well, that yeah. was that's an obvious one because Jimmer Fredette. He's, he's still in the league. Jimmer Fredette, Josh Gray. He did play for us. Isaiah Kanan. Isaiah uh, Kanan, of course. Yeah. Tyler Ulis. We know is his Tyler guy. U- Tyler Ulis had a moment. He had a moment with the Suns in in that uh, oh. that's that game winner. I'll never forget. I was talking about this with with my friend the other day, actually. I was like, I will never forget that Tyler Eulis game winner where I was. God, the things that used to make us so excited uh, is, is a little bit is a little bit sad now. Um, what does Devin Booker think of Ronnie Price? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't think about him at all. Uh, what does he think of Jawan Evans? Like, like just some of the, Seth my Curry. God. <laughs> Seth Curry was the one example of a guy who we actually missed on. Yeah. He, like, we had him. God, that would yeah. have been awesome if they could have developed Seth Curry, but yeah. we let him slip away. I forget where where do you, he went to like Dallas first, and then Portland, and then back to Dallas or something. I can't I think remember. So something like but yeah. that. Uh, that one actually he didn't worked. play much. Uh, we will be back soon. Now, here's one thing I will say: we're on a not recording schedule at this point. We're sort of on a reactionary schedule. We're going to come to you guys whenever things happen in um, in the short term. At some point, we'll be back on a regular weekly schedule. You get an episode for us every week. You'll probably still get one every week for us now. I can't tell you exactly when totally. it's going to be. Whenever something happens, hey, we will be there, though. Whenever the spirit of optimism compels us to make an episode, <laughs> <laughs> we will not let you down. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Till till next time. Don't need a three. Drive it. Let's hope it's an up and Ties it up with four seconds to go. Thomas loses the ball. A chance to win. You Unbelievable. Tyler Ulis at the buzzer.